This is the Quocast. My name's Jamie Dar. I'm here today with a tribute band um, via Skype. Well, a guy from a tribute band. Anyway, Gary Davies, um, not the radio presenter from the 1980s, but the lead, I believe, of Quode, um, who is with us right now on Skype. Can you tell us a little bit about Quode? How did it start? Well, it started, um, I think, back in 2015. Um, I'd been almost semi-retired from music, I guess, for a few years. A mate of mine had been looking on a local um, sort of join my band group and said, Davis, there's a Quo band here looking for someone to go and join them. It's got to be right up your street, isn't it? Because uh, I've been talking about doing a Quo band with my brother um, on and off for a few years, and it sort of never quite got off the ground we had a few rehearsals but never sort of took it any further and uh, so I, I replied to the advert strolled up to the rehearsal room a week or so later and I, I met Mick and Chris there so Mick plays the uh, the, the Rick Parfit stuff uh, although when we first started actually Mick was doing um, Mick was doing all the lead work and I was doing the uh, I was doing the rhythm I, I, I don't quite know why that was but it just was you know um, Chris was pretty much doing all the vocals and um, we had drummer number one I think his name was Paul, and it gets a bit confusing with drummers because we've had so many now. We kind of started it as a bit of fun just to sort of see if we could kind of capture some of that sound and some of that energy of of, um, of, of the early Quo stuff. And it, it sort of proved to be more difficult in, in a lot of ways than I think we, we'd anticipated. But we, we kept at it and you know, moved for a couple of different drummers. And, uh, you know, we, we're now sort of, I think we're settled on, the, on, on this lineup. And it seems to be coming together in quite a nice way now. Um, you know, we've sort of re- reorganised a lot of the parts and um, you know, got people in the right places, standing in the right place on stage and um, doing more or less the right vocal parts and guitar parts each. Yeah, I'm just trying to get that um, that energetic kind of um, boogie sound down. When you're compiling a set list, obviously with 50 years plus worth of material, how how on earth do you choose? Do you go by what they've played live, or do you go on albums? How do you do it? Well, we, we've done it a couple of different ways, and I think you know you, you've got to look at who the who the crowd are, right? I mean, if, you know, I think Francis Rossi spoke about this over the years, and he's coming for a lot of criticism. You know, well, why don't you do this off that album, and you know, can we have more stuff off of Dogger Two Ed and Mark Kelly's and all that sort of stuff? His response has always been, yeah, but I've got a room full of you know casuals as well as you know, hardcore quo fans. So you've got to keep both of those lot happy. Now, for us at, at, at this level, we've got to be sort of mindful of who we're playing to. So when we first went out, we went, right, we're just going to be doing obscure stuff off a of pile driver and uh, that, yeah, there's that one off a of quo that we're going to do. Yeah, brilliant. Of course, then we wonder why we're all getting off on it and people in the audience are looking a bit baffled. It's because they're coming along and they're expecting to hear the Wanderer, Bridges, all of that kind of stuff. So, I think we, we learned over, you know, we learned pretty quickly, actually, that you need to look at who, who the audience are. So, you know, we've, I think we've we've almost got to the point where we've got a 45-minute festival set, which we dished out to the good folk of Brentwood on Sunday. We've got one that's slightly longer where we've got a bit more freedom. You know, we, we chucked a few more of the sort of live set from the sort of, you know, the, the late 80s and early 90s in there that they'll go in. We also got kind of our, our sort of two-hour theatre set where it is, you know, it's aimed at, at, at hardcore Quo fans. You know, we'll dig into the Hello album. You know, we'll, we'll do Claude. We'll do uh, Reason for Living, uh, that that kind of thing. Uh, in fact, we did play all of Hello from beginning to end at, uh, at, at the Quo Diamond Boogie Day um, earlier this year. I don't know if you're a, if you're aware of that. It's a, a little sort of festival that um, that Mike Grady puts on. 
and uh, yeah, we, we we sort of took the whole Hello album up there. And you couldn't, because you can't do that at a festival, but in a room full of Quoth fans, it goes down a storm. So yeah, um, putting a set list together can be pretty challenging, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, yes, and I would imagine playing it from front to back, the Hello album, you would have had to have done 4,500 times. When you were doing that, are you doing as on the Hello album, or are you adding bits that were added later during the live years? Well, yeah, we, we toyed with that. Um, you know, I thought, well, we could do the whole gotta go home, uh, really me kind of ending, you know, that, that you see on the on the live album, or... Um, I'm going to be controversial here, and it's Better Incarnation, which was on the Rock to Your Drop album. Whoops. <laughs> but what we actually settled on was saying, well, what happens at the end of the Hello album? Uh, it fades out, so we can't do the fade out. It sounds like it goes up to a different key. But, you know, at the end of the Hello album, most of us are going to go and put Quo on. So the first two tracks off of Quo is Backwater and Just Take Me. Now, it just so happens that they're in the same key. There is a slight tempo change. So we actually thought, what would Quo do? They would medley it. Right, so we, you know, we sort of kind of got most of the way through that that sort of guitar solo till you get to the bit where it starts to get itchy and break down, you know. And then think, right, okay, we'll have a little drum and bass solo there. We're going to bring it down, and then we're just going to bring backwater in, and, and we've done that, and the place just erupted. It was just brilliant, you know. So we, we've kind of gone from 4,500 times we've done the album almost without without introduction or saying anything you know and then we've rolled straight into that and of course the next one uh, which was it which is in our set anyway was break the rules so we've kind of done all of LO and most of the first side of quo well, unfortunately by that time you know we we're almost out of time i think we chucked in wild side life and paper playing for that gig again which we, we stuck the two things together it's fun to play with and and i tend to think of a lot of Quo songs has been a bit like Lego blocks. A lot of them are in the same key. A lot of them have got the same feel. And they're mainly at the same tempo. So you can actually bolt them together in, in, in new and exciting ways, really. Uh, I love playing the medleys. We do the Roadhouse medley that, uh, that, that Quo used to do in sort of like, like 1989, 90. That goes down well at a festival because most people know the Doors version of that. And if provided you don't hang around too long with the jig and all the rest of it, uh, you can get to the wander pretty quick and then start jumping up and down again. So, um, yeah, great, great fun. Well, I can imagine. I was going to ask you whether there was a track that you tried as a band that just didn't work. We've played around with Army a little bit. Now, we don't have a keyboard player, you know, so uh, A, we can't afford the wages. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, B, we just don't know a keyboard player. And uh, I actually quite like the dynamic of it being, you know, uh, two guitars but we, we we've mucked around with army a little bit it just don't quite hang together i don't mind that you know we, we did want to get it in the festival set because i think it fits quite nicely with with whatever you want i think quo have done it in that order so you know you finish whatever you want on that sort of big that big sort of d minor called and then before you know where you are you can get into get into army very very easily but we just haven't quite cracked that one yet there's a few we mucked around with off of on the level uh, and, and again we haven't we haven't quite got things like um oh, i forget the, the title of it now but it, it starts with that sort of really long widdly guitar so yeah uh what to do what to do that's it i didn't know just what to do you know we, we get we got the beat but it just don't hang together they're not all sort of straightforward tunes really um but we'll we'll persevere with them and, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get there and i think once we're happy with them then you know we'll, we'll try them out but yeah i mean that, that that question about set list is a good one because 
there is such a lot of it, you know. We have to be mindful of the timing. We have to be also mindful of, of our physical capabilities. You know, I, I sing a lot of the set, and by the end of it, I'm, I'm knackered, you know. And people don't really want to hear, you know, vocalists that, that, that have lost their voice. You've got to hand it to, to the to the guys, you know, the, the, the real band. When they were doing those sort of two-hour flat-out shows, like I used to see at Wembley and, um, you know, places like that in, 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 in the 90s, incredible, absolutely incredible. And they're about my age, you know, they were about my age now. Right, and I'm thinking that's you know physical fitness and stamina to, to have kept that up night after night on you know what, what used to be sort of what 30 40 50 date tours incredible absolutely incredible what was your your first exposure to quo uh, really early age uh, I've got I got to sound I got to uh, I got to name check my uncle Steve on this really really long story really short my dad uh, was uh, a very keen footballer and um, sometimes his keenness led to him being a little bit naughty on the pitch and um, I think the local league asked him not to come and play anymore in the local league because he got a bit naughty on the pitch so he had to go and play somewhere else and that, that involved going into I think East London somewhere so he used to take me over to my nan's where my uncle lives, pick my uncle up, they'd both go to football and uh, I'd sort of wander off into Uncle Steve's room and they'd build these, you know, classic 70s albums from the sort of pop rock kind of genre. Right, there was The Sweet, there was Mud, there was that other bloke with the sideburns we, we shouldn't talk about, Slade, tons of quo. And I remember just putting them on and just being sort of mesmerised. I'd have been about four or five years old, I suppose, just mesmerised by the, the label spinning around, particularly the Vertigo label. And I think that was side one of pole driver which probably started with don't waste my time and the noise of it just coming out of this old radiogram it just got in here really i think after that I, someone gave me a guitar and um i started thumping away on that as i got a bit older you know i've been i've been learning music i suppose from about the age of seven and um another uncle of mine on my mum's side he had a he had a, an electric guitar he had a burns trisonic um, which I discovered under um, under a spare bed around the other ends, and I went, oh, what's that? And dragged that out. And because I've been sort of, you know, strumming away on the guitar with chords and whatever, I thought, well, that's, uh, that's what 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 can we do with this? And you know, before I knew where I was, I'm kind of picking out the, the riff to Caroline, blink, 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 you know, eventually got it. Drove everybody, drove everybody mad. But I think I think once that happened, it was uh, it, it was game over really, and it's the right, okay, where, where can I get a louder amp from? You know, after I built one, you know, that was not very good. You know, what can I sell? Flog the piano, don't want that no more. Louder amps, better guitars. You know, I really wanted a Telecaster, but ended up with a Strat. So you know, I had to you know scrape up some money to go and find a Telecaster. Oh, it's yellow. I wanted a green one. You know, so strip the paint off it and. You know, but by that time, um, you know, I, was, I was sort of playing in, in, in school bands and, and, you know, sort of local unsigned scene, but never quite managed to scratch that quo itch, really. Kind of wasn't the uh, wasn't sort of band that you could get away with in the sort of, uh, in the sort of 90s indie rock scene. Uh, no one was kind of doing that kind of stuff. So it's, it was with me all along, you know, and actually if I listened to my playing from, from then, you know, there, there was always little bits of Francis or Rick in the way I'd attack the guitar. I suppose it's only natural it's got to come out at some point. So, um, you know, fast forward for all those years of being in, um, you know, unsigned originals, bands and whatever, you know, eventually I'll get to, um, I'll get to sort of try and be Francis on stage. And it's, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. I absolutely love it. But I couldn't imagine life without doing it at the moment. No, well, there, there is always something very uplifting about performing live and certainly their music because there's something about it how how hard did you find it um 
learning the solos and things because even Francis these days sort of struggles with them. Uh, I, I didn't find it particularly difficult, I, I have to be honest, but I think whilst most other kids of sort of 12, 13, 14 were probably out chasing girls, I was, I was indoors, locked away in a room, chasing solos, you know, um, and, and sort of unpicking them. I, you know, I wore those records out that, that my uncle eventually gave me and a few CDs too. So I, I didn't find it too difficult to learn them from the record. I'll tell you where it got difficult was when we did that thing in Quode where I said to, to Mick, right, yeah, or Mick said to me, actually, you, you take the solos. And I couldn't remember where, where all the bits went because it's almost like you're listening for a cue in the record as, as, as to what comes next. So some of them can be sort of quite easy, roll over, lay down. There's, there's a particular melody to that one. But once you get into things like some of the darker ends of 4,500 times, uh, you know, Francis is just off on one, really. And he generally would play the same thing. So what I end up doing is it's an assimilation of it. You know, it'll be a bunch of Francis's licks, not necessarily in the right order. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it too difficult. But I think I'm I think I'm with a lot of Quo fans in that I find Francis a little bit frustrating to listen to, you know, when he's, when he's sort of continually sodding about with, with what is actually a melodic part of the, the tune, you know those huge bends that he does. And I think it kind of started in the in the 90s, really. I, I was lucky enough to find the first gig I went to um, on one of the bootleg sites, and I listened to his little lady solo, and it's not quite as it is on the record, but by God, is it good. You know, he, he, he sort of does this huge bend and then a massive boom slide down to the bottom bit. But these days, he just tends to mess around with it, you know, and I think he's, he kind of misses some of that excitement. So if you're listening, Francis, could you put it back to The difference I found actually was when I saw the Frantic Four tour, he seemed to be a little bit more uh, paying attention to what it was like on the original record. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you you, you got a point there. I I saw that was the last time I saw Quo, um, was the Hammersmith 2013, and I wish I'd gone to the 2014 one i really do but you know i know the feeling because i went to hammersmith 2013 one of the dates and uh it was one of the best crowds i've ever seen it was immense and the recordings that exist of it uh you can hear that crowd and it really lifts everything there was there was definitely an emotion i mean you know i i, I don't know how many times i've seen quote uh, it's not as many as some of the super fans that i've got to speak to through doing this but I mean it's, it's plenty of times you know I've not seen another band as, as often as seen quite but there was there was definitely something in the air that night you know it was almost grown men crying my god you know John's on stage Alan's on stage and of course when Francis walks up to the mic and went Alan Lancaster and John Cogburn and the place just went berserk I thought well the, I, can't, I couldn't think you know we're talking about it on the way and we couldn't think of another classic rock band that could actually do that so here's our original lineup. I don't think it would work with any of them, you know, either for reasons of mortality or just reasons of uh, they would probably kill each other being in the same room. You know, and I think um, I think for, for Francis and Alan to have put aside what was clearly something very quite, quite a lot of animosity between them um, to give that back to the fans. Um, well, hands up to them. Fantastic. Well, yes, and uh, it's certainly one of the best gigs I've ever been to. It was absolutely amazing. I'm going to ask you, on the subject of gigs, have you got any coming up with Quode, or is it fairly quiet at the moment? No, there's a, there's a few in the pipeline. We are at the Harold Hill Festival in Essex. It's near Romford. That, I think, is September the 7th, and we're uh, we're on... I've got a feeling we're either top of the bill or just before. Hopefully we're just before because that means if we are just before, we can pack up and leg it 
and try and hop over the fence at Chelmsford where Quo are also playing in, in, in Chelmsford. So there's that one coming up. We're at Whitton Town Hall in November. I think that's also November the 7th. Again, the, these dates are on our um, are on our Facebook page. Where else are we after that? Walton on the Nays in December. And then there is talk next year of going a little bit further afield. Um, so we, we're doing some work now with a... Uh, a sort of production promotion company that, that are looking to start booking us into um, you know some smaller sort of venues like uh, sort of theatres and, and, and big clubs, and we you know we could try and get out of uh, try and get out of Essex really, which will be great fun. Hopefully, we will also return to the um, to the to the Quo Diamond Day um, next year. I mean, that was a fantastic day out. If if you've ever been to it, you know you, you'll know what it's all about. If you haven't, get down there. I mean, it's fabulous that that's in Mansfield I don't know if there's dates or whether Mike's confirmed it yet but you know we're fingers crossed that, that, that we'll go back there next year have you met any of the other Quo tributes that are out there and sort of swap notes I've met uh, I met Woody from Quo Experience we did a gig well, it would have been October last year I think and it was just before we kind of got our current drummer in so our old drummer uh, I think that was more or less his, his last um, his last appearance with us but uh I sort of spotted him at the back. I thought, oh, I recognise him. And um, you know, we, we, we get chatting before the gig. And, um, you know, I asked him, I was a bit starstruck, really, because he's got his phone out. He's going, oh, yeah, you know, here's me and Francis. And here's Francis's actual guitar. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'll just stop dribbling, you know. <laughs> oh, that's Francis's amplifier and his settings. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, how do you know that kind of stuff? So I, I know that, that Woody did a bit of um, a bit of roading work with them. Um, and I, I've got a couple of the other guys that are uh, sort of, you know, I'm, I'm friends with on Facebook, but I've never actually met or already spoke to them. But um, you know, one of these days, I'm looking forward to getting out and seeing Quo Experience, and uh, I think Counterfeit Quo are from around here. And, uh, there's another one. I can't remember which which version it is. They're, they're up in uh, they're up in Colchester somewhere. There's actually quite a few of us about. I think. I think there are. There are there are loads of um, Quo tributes. I've seen one or two myself um but yours is quote if people wanted to find out more about you where would they need to go we do have a website but um to be honest we you know i think we're what with social media and all that our, probably the best place to learn more about quo is at uh, is at facebook it's facebook.com forward slash status quote that's quo with a d all our sort of um gig dates and, and whatever you're on there there's there's pictures there's a few little odds and sods of video as well you know which, which you, you can have a listen to and uh you know see what we sound like um, i think we sound pretty good to be honest well, I'm sure many fans will be the judge of that. Thanks so much for coming on the Quocast on this edition. You're welcome. Great talking to you. 